All right, everyone, welcome back to Physio Minds. I'm your host, Alex, and we have our co-host, Theo, there. Today, we have a very special guest, Kushal Patel. What's up, boy? What's going on, boys? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, today we have a pretty special topic. It's something that we learned, and it's a specialty at our school, and we get, you know, pounded into our minds. It should be a certain exercise prescription. So we go off of something called Holton's Curve. So Holton's curve, what we learned in school is you go off a percentage of your one max repetition. So basically this is for concentric contraction. So this is not for eccentric. This is not for isometric is from what my understanding is. You guys can jump in and let me know. Um, But I'll just kind of go through a quick run through. Most of the time it's 50% one rep max, it'll be like 31 plus reps. That's for vascularity, tissue healing, and mobilization. And then you'll have your 60% and you'll continue to go all the way up to 90. Basically, it follows a curve of, hey, you start off with high repetitions for vascularity, tissue healing, and then it goes coordination, endurance, and then you get into that endurance strength range, and then you'll get into that strength and strength and power. So what we have learned throughout is to use that while we're in the clinic. I use it pretty often. I know, um, I don't know about you guys have used it often in your outpatient clinics. I know that we also have learned some things about isometrics and different types of contractions of the muscle where you can kind of play around with the numbers, the numbers, but I know Kush had a really good experience when he was in, was it Fort Myers? Yep. And my effective clinical rotation in Fort Myers. Yeah. So it was in Fort Myers and he learned about exercise prescription and he did an in-service on it. So I'm going to have him talk about it a little bit more, and then we can kind of get into more of like what we use in the clinic now versus what we learned in school and kind of how we build our own base of, of exercise prescription. So Kush, go ahead and tell us what you learned. Yeah, so um, basically at the beginning of my second clinical rotation in Fort Myers, my main goal was to kind of understand the whole topic of exercise prescription. Um, I felt like through PT school, yeah, we learned about Holton's curve and whatnot and a little bit about exercise, like just picking different exercises. But personally, I felt like that was one of my weaker aspects in terms of being in the clinic. Mm-hmm. My eval was pretty good, but it's just more to the point of coming up with treatment. So I made it essentially one of my main goals to learn about that and then also make a presentation on it. So with the help of both my CIs, they gave me some different references and resources to look at. So essentially what I found was that Holmes curve, I mean, yeah, it's good, but it's kind of outdated. So there's different stuff that we should be doing compared um, in terms of concentric um, loading besides the Holmes curve. Like Holmes curve is more of um, just like the general aspect of what we should do and we should kind of progress or regress from that. Mm-hmm. So like you said, for tissue repair vascularity, we usually did like the three sets of 31 plus or one set of like the 31 plus reps, basically at 50% of the one rep max. What I found for tissue repair and vascularity, we should be doing about three to five sets of 50 to 100 reps at that 50% of one rep max. Essentially for a tissue repair vascularity, we should be doing more like hundreds of reps in order to get that vascularity into the the region that we're trying to do. 
also this shouldn't be fatiguing at all. So it should be that 50% or less, if that makes sense. I, yeah, so, yeah, that makes, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. I mean, yeah. I, um, in terms of coordination should be about three to five sets of 30 to 50, uh, about that 50 to 60, um, one rep max as well. Um, and then that coordination is probably the most important thing to do um, either post-op um, or well, once they get to that point of being able to do that on their own, like the active motion and whatnot. Because coordination and endurance, those are the two things that we need before we can actually strengthen the muscle. Because um, if, they, if they don't have that endurance, if they don't have that coordination, then they're going to be getting fatigued easier and there's going to be compensatory motions that occur with the exercise. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of stuff that we learned, but I felt like I just personally didn't really understand it that well through PT school. So doing a little bit more research was one of my main goals. And I personally feel like it's helped me um, throughout, I guess, that second clinical rotation I had, but then also this one that I'm currently in current, like um, right now for the final rotation. So, mm-hmm. so I actually have um, a question because um, a lot of times I, you know, we use, typically we use uh, 50% vascularity, 60% coordination. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with strengthening, it, it's a little bit more, I, I typically don't dose, you know, 15 reps. I might do like 10, 12, you know, as long as it falls within that range. But for coordination, you said 50, like three to five sets of like 50 reps. Is that what you said at 60%? For coordination, it should be about 30 to 50. Okay. Um, but it should be at that 50 to 60%. Like okay. going past that 60% range, like I know we learned it at 60%, but it should be a little bit lower. Because ideally we should, we think coordination is the number one fundamental quality of a muscle performance. So mm-hmm. that's the first thing that gets lost too when an injury occurs. So we want to be able to get that coordination back in order to be able to strengthen. Because if the muscle isn't coordinated and if they're not able to do that motion, that, that muscle, like the muscle action, for instance, then all the, no matter how we um, progress it, there's going to be compensatory motions with that. I 100% agree with that. So my question is, we learned, you know, when you work at coordination, you dose it like 25 reps or whatever, around the 23rd to 25th, like you should be getting fatigued, right? So is it yeah. still the same, like 30 to 50 reps towards the end, you're getting fatigued? Like what is, what are you looking for? So realistically, um, I don't think that's kind of, I don't think that's ideal. Like, for endurance wise, yeah, I would say that because that's around that 25 to 30 rep at that 60%. Um, but I feel like if the in order to get the best out of that, there should be rest breaks in between. Because if the patient's getting fatigued, that's the point where the muscle's kind of talking to you and saying that, okay, like I need a break. Because if not, then there's going to be the compensatory motions, which at that point, it's like, what are we doing the exercise for? So you still work it to fatigue, but just not past fatigue. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, you get, you get to it, the point. Yeah. Yeah. I use the same thing. I, I just typically for coordination exercise, I go. I use the, the twenty five reps, but I, I say the same thing. Like if they're getting fatigued, I'm like stop because that's the point of continuing the exercise. If you're not targeting what you want to target. Exactly. Um, so all right, yeah. cool. And I don't know if you guys can or have experienced this, but usually like, let's say like post-op rotator cuff repair. Um, Once they get past that active range of motion stage 
and we're starting to initiate the different um, just exercises that we have, for instance, um, there'll be times where we give them some resistance, but they'll be doing the exercise completely wrong. No matter how we explain it or how we um, basically guide them with verbal cues or tactile cues or whatnot, like they're going to be, there's going to be so many different muscles that are working that we are not trying to target. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I see that all the time. So at that point, I like to regress the exercise either by bumping down the resistance or just having them do it active until they can get that motion, you know, the correct motion without compensatory motion. I 100% agree with that. Yeah, dude. The amount of times that I've had patients in the gym, you know, I mean, they'll do like the first set. Okay, they'll do it correctly. Second set, you start to see like a little bit, hey, you have to give a little bit more verbal cues, maybe tactile. By the third set, they're just fatiguing. They're just doing whatever they want. And you're just like, whoa, 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 hold on. <laughs> Take it back. Let's let's regress that. Let's try something else. And then they're yeah. like, no, no, I'm fine. I can do this resistance, especially the elder ma- older males. I mean. Yeah, and that's why it's oh, important yeah. to like, just like keep your eyes on your patient. Like you don't just like, like for me, like one of the things I struggle with is like delegating exercises sometimes, you know, cause like I'm a perfectionist, right? Like I need the exercise to be perfect, targeting exactly what I want to target no compensations, all this. So like when I give it to, you know, just either a, a tech or whatever, someone that at least I, ha- I don't have that trust with. Um, and I, I'm just always looking over, right? Like I just, I need to see the exercise and then I have to go over and make modifications. So, um, so yeah, honestly, with that, that compensatory stuff, like at that point, they shouldn't be doing that exercise. If they can't do it correctly, you regress. And I think that's, that's skilled as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also a key point of like what Dr. Bray always used to say, like, it depends, like there's mm-hmm. no real perfect exercise for a patient. Like it really <laughs> depends on how they're presenting, but then also how they like, cause they could, they could be doing it one day. They'll come in and they'll be able to do a certain resistance for so many reps. The next day though, it could come in and it could be completely off. So we, as clinicians and soon to be doctors of PT should be able to identify okay patients are unable to do it today so how are we going to modify their plan of care or their treatment based on that which personally I feel like I've gotten a little bit better with um, throughout the at least near the end of my second clinical rotation but then especially with this rotation um, because I have also times where I have to delegate exercises to our aides or PTAs or whatnot. And I'll look back and the patient will be completely doing it like wrong. Or even I'll be treating mm-hmm. the patient and I'll be like writing a little bit of some notes. And I'll go back to look at what the patient is doing and they're just completely doing it wrong. And I'm like, <laughs> I literally just explained how to do it. <laughs> you, know, you know what's funny about this? Like, I know we said PT, like PTAs and PT techs, whatever, but like, like honestly, one modification exercise changes the exercise completely, right? And I had this experience in the clinic the other day. I put a patient, you know, it was like nine months post uh, like Achilles repair, right? Put him on a leg press, like a, a shuttle press or whatever it's called. And I wanted to improve dorsiflexion of his ankle, right? So I put his knees, basically I, I play with the angle, the position of his foot in relation to his knee. And then I had another physical therapist come by. He's like, oh, and super smart guy. He's super knowledgeable, but he had no idea what we're doing, who this patient is, what we're trying to work on. 
And he changed the angle of the leg press, you know, to make it 90-90, so better alignment, this and that. He sat there and he lectured, lectured us about, like me and my CI, he lectured us about like, oh, why it's supposed to be this way, the force couples and this and that, biomechanics. He left me and like at the end of the day, like that wasn't the exercise that we wanted anymore. The patient was getting no benefits in dorsiflexion. He was working, sure, he was working his quads and glutes, which is great, but those were already strong. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it wasn't like a target intervention. So I'm just like, okay, like let's discontinue this exercise. There's no point anymore. So what I want to get with that, it's not just like PTAs and techs or whatever. PTs can mess you up too. Like if if they don't know what the exercise is being used for and what the modification to the exercise that you've made, like they can easily like make a pointless exercise, whether it's compensations or just a pointless exercise for this patient, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree, man. It, it's crazy because you say PTs, PTAs, and techs, and by all means, man, I love them all. They all. They're all very knowledgeable in their own way. But I think one group that I've seen, and I, I have my certification as I'm a, I have a personal tra- trainer certification, but recently I saw a lady trying to teach um, someone else how to squat and it just i can tell i can tell the knees were caving in no dorsiflexion whatsoever she's and this other individual is very tall individual so i was like uh you need to fix some things first before (laughs) before teaching her how to deadlift or squat or lunge and whatnot and that's that's where you kind of get your we're going a little bit off topic but it's okay (laughs) um that's kind of like how you you see our profession is like we know how movement is supposed to be so like when i mean there are very knowledgeable personal trainers not bashing them i'm one myself but i'm just saying you have to make sure you know what you're doing and kind of tailor everything to your patient like kush was saying and um before we get any further kush what clinic were you at before and like what's your are you is your background in outpatient or is it more inpatient for that you mean for the second clinical rotation of that yeah your second clinical and then you know how you did like uh your hours and stuff like is it an outpatient or inpatient the well the second clinical rotation is an outpatient um ortho clinic well it's kind of ortho slash sport and mm-hmm. so my ci he was the founder and owner of the clinic and um there was also personal training there that was offered as well mm-hmm. other than pt um but is that is that where you're yeah 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 so what what was that second clinical and then before going into pt school like what was your background in were were you more sports were you more uh geriatric or like Uh, where where did you do um, your observation hours yeah for the most part i was in uh, outpatient ortho that's always a sense of been my interest um one of like my main like I never really had experience in it, but was to do like outpatient sports and work with athletes and whatnot. So my second rotation, I was able to do that a little bit as well. So that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, most of my hours were through outpatient work. So I did have a good amount um, through my final year of my senior year of undergrad with wound care, which was pretty cool. Oh, wow. But personally, I just I'm not really interested in wound care. It was more just to <laughs> get a new experience. Yeah. No, I feel you. I see. I I like I like wound care. I like inpatient, but I'm also very interested in the outpatient stuff. It. I don't know. I'm a nerd, dude. I love it all. 
hey, I mean, that's good. And profession like that we're about to get into, it's realistically like you can choose. Like it's not like you have to pick where you have to be, oh, like you have to be outpatient or so. Like you have options, which is yeah. Awesome. No, you can do you can do both at the same time. Honestly, you could work exactly. as an outpatient ortho, and then per diem on the weekends and like inpatient. Yeah, that's good yeah, money thought, out there too for the weekends. Yeah, dude, I thought about it a lot. I'm just like, oh, I could do outpatient, uh, like sports or outpatient neuro slash ortho, and then go in on the weekends and inpatient. Yeah. yeah. So we got way off topic. Um, just, to bring, <laughs> yeah, yeah. just to bring us back a little bit, I know like Wilkins yeah. like Curve and all this stuff that we've been talking about is concentric exercise. So that's a very like important distinction to make. Um, we haven't talked about eccentric exercise, isometrics, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I wanted to mention since we're talking about exercise dosing is the importance of isometrics. So, and I use them all the time, like what isometrics help me do is activate the muscle before I strengthen it, because what sense does it make to strengthen a muscle that's not turning on, right? Um, so you can see someone walk, you know, you see a Trendelenburg pattern in their, in their gait, which basically what that means is you're walking, their hip drops every time, kind of like that Beyonce booty. Um, <laughs> Shake oh, it, <baby>. Shake it. <laughs> yep, yep. So, and then you do these isometrics for the, you know, the glute med, whatever, super simple, you know, just push into my hands, whatever. And you, all right, let's get up and walk. And then you see them get up and walk and all of a sudden Trendelenburg is gone just because from activating that muscle, right? Mm-hmm. So the point I'm trying to make is we weren't really taught that in school, like, you know, activate using asymmetrics and all that. It was always just kind of like, oh, there's a weak muscle, strengthen it using Colton's curve, whatever. So just being able to utilize asymmetrics first Target the muscles that you you want to strengthen. Make sure they're activated. Make sure you know it's all tissue like preparation, right? Mm-hmm. Make sure they're activated. They're working, and then you go into you know your clamshell exercise. Any sort of strengthening for the hip or whatever you want to target. Um, so there's like a sequence to these things, right? And you go yeah. you follow Colton's curve or the dosage um, that Kush was mentioning. Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking on isometrics personally like one of the main things like I use isometrics all the time like you said like especially for tendinopathies personally like the first thing because we learned yeah eccentric loading for tendinopathies is great which it is but there's time there's a time and place for eccentrics as well like you said if the patient is in real pain because like most of the time if it's a tendinitis and if they're still and that like acute subacute phase, we don't want to be doing eccentric loading right away. So starting off with that um, isometric loading, I try to do like 15 to 20 reps. And I try to do at least 50 to 75% of that muscle contraction in that way, or in the action of that muscle that we're trying to target that regardless if it has a tendinopathy or not. But I just feel like, yeah, waking up that muscle prior to loading it either eccentrically concentrically whatever it is is very important because if not then yeah it just gets really sloppy and it could lead to also compensatory emotions which i've seen prior as well but with uh working with tendinopathies in general i feel like isometrics just help one fire that muscle but then it's not to the point where it's an active motion so it's not harming the tissue Mm -hmm. but 
yeah, so I feel like isometrics are really important. I feel like I've been using them quite often compared to what we learned in school. I feel like we never yeah. really talk about isometrics. I, I use them for I yeah. use them for pain all the time too. Like just you know, just contract mm-hmm. this muscle, see if we can improve the you know the the function, improve the, the blood flow a little bit, you know. Yeah. And and then you just reassess. All right, where's your pain at now? Okay, drop two points. Okay, great. And that I always. I, I've mentioned it twice, right? Like I always reassess, right? Like I do my assessment. I pick what is the best intervention. I, I perform the intervention, then I reassess. Did that intervention work? Did it, did it not work? Should I try something else? You know, and, and I think that's what also like, that's one, what makes PT fun for me, seeing the immediate benefits. And, and two, I think that's what gets the buy-in from the patients. They're like, oh, wow, that, you know, that really helped you. You obviously know what you're doing, you know? Yeah. And it's an assessment doesn't have to be something complicated, guys. It can be, it can be as easy as just goniometry. It can be, okay. The muscle, like, yeah, exactly. Like poke it. Does that hurt? Yeah. It hurts. Okay. Let's try doing a couple of leaves now. Okay. How about now? Does it hurt? No, doesn't hurt anymore. Nope. So it's easy as pain, goniometry. I mean, you can do basically goniometry, meaning range of motion. Um, You can do, I like, I, task analysis. I like task analysis like gait yeah. let me do let me see you do a sit to stand a single leg squat i like functional things like that too yeah. and you can see immediate improvements you know they're like oh you know what that didn't hurt and it felt way easier just from doing like one activation of a muscle and you're like okay cool like <laughs> now let's strengthen it so it stays that way you know <laughs> that's the other thing dude you gotta make sure they continue their exercises when they go home <laughs> yeah, that's a big part <laughs> yeah. um, and also speaking on kind of what Theo was talking about about doing more functional related stuff that was another thing that I feel like I learned pretty well during my second rotation was just learning how the therapists at that clinic kind of operate and think um, because they use more functional related exams so like for instance they have a hit a functional um, assessment for the hit so instead of just doing active range of motion on the table, because if a patient, for instance, has um, like hip pain or whatnot, and if you get them on the table and if their range of motion is pretty good, it's like, all right, well, what's going on? Mm-hmm. That's not really functional at all because they're not they're not in that open kinetic chain at all times. Right. So doing it while they're standing up, doing like different um, motions of the hip, so like flexion, extension, internal, external rotation, abduction, adduction, while they're in that closed kinetic chain um, position, you, you'll be able to tell differences. Like there'll be times where I'll do, like if it's like a back screen, I'll do the lumbar, like active range of motion, obviously, but then I'll also do a quick hip assessment as well. Because if the hips aren't working, then the, that could also lead to low back pain. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my one of the main things my old CI would say was, all right, like most uh, most musculoskeletal related conditions or impairments are due to either impairments of the thoracic spine, hip, or ankle foot. So, just even watching someone walk, like if they're um, if they got flat foot compared to high arch, like that could change the biomechanics to the knees, to the hips, to the low back and up the chain if that makes sense 
Yeah, actually, I really appreciate you saying that because me and Alex literally had an episode about this. Like people be coming to the clinic like, oh, my knee hurts and I'm here checking their ankle and their hip. And they're like, no, no, the pain is at my knee. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, but like that's just a symptom, right? Like it's not the source of your pain. So um, I appreciate you saying that. (laughs) Yeah, 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 honestly, that's so true, dude. (laughs) Yeah, and I've kind of incorporated that throughout my eval process. And I feel like I missed so much stuff. I would have missed so much stuff prior if I didn't look at that stuff, you know? Yep. Um, exactly. Uh, so we're just going to wrap up a little bit. So for your prescription that you have for your exercise prescription that you have, is there a way that we can, if people wanted it, like your uh, in-service, is there a way that we can send that to people or the research articles, you can send it to me and then I can kind of put something a little bit together yeah for sure i got a whole presentation do you have it do you have it like a chart format like kind of how we have holdings or so i didn't do that yet that's that was one of my things that i wanted to do i just yeah because i'm thinking it will be cool it will will be cool if we get like a chart like that and just make like an insta post about it yeah just the chart like you know new x and like with like a little reference like you know no yeah for sure yeah (laughs) <laughs> i was gonna say i've got i've got all the information on this powerpoint and i've got basically a word document with all the other stuff that i didn't add into the powerpoint mm-hmm. but um my one of my things i wanted to do for that in service was also make like a little cheat sheet like you were saying yeah um but i didn't i wasn't able to get to that so that's one thing that i want to kind of work on so when i get some free time i'll probably try to make up something like that and then yeah i'll try to post it or send it to you guys yeah, absolutely. You got some homework for us, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll put in the pressure, pressure. <laughs> and I want you to reply to two peers, okay? <laughs> AMA format. Yeah, AMA, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's uh, All right, guys. Uh, so right now we're just going to wrap up a little bit. Thank you, Kushal, for coming on and talking about exercise prescription. If you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns, any ideas at the end of the day, you guys can DM us. You can email us if you want to get in contact with Kushal Patel. That's with a big K. <laughs> you can just contact us and we can get you in contact with him. Um, as you know, I'm your host, Alex. We have our co-host, Theo. Kush, any last words? You want to say anything? Uh, not really, man. I mean, appreciate you guys having me today. It was good catching up with y'all. It's been a minute. So Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It. Yeah, absolutely, man. We it, it was a good time. I had a Good talk. This was this is a very big topic in PT, and I think that's something that you know we should all take into consideration is other people's perspectives. Because as you're in the clinic, you're you know you're continuously learning as a clinician, and you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> and uh, yeah. this is something I didn't know until Kush and I, you know, we were talking, we were out to dinner, and he's like, "Hey, man, you know, I have a new exercise prescription." That's kind of how this thing came up. Yeah. Uh, so okay. one one last thing yeah yeah um, one of also the main thing reasons I wanted to do this was because I, mean, I don't know if you guys can correlate but I feel like everyone in my clinic they'd always be like oh do three sets of 10 of this bro like, three sets <laughs> of 10 is like that generalized like prescription no matter what the exercise is they always say three sets of 10 and I'm like yeah. that just it just yeah i was just like like i said like it just depends right like it depends like if you're working on strength or whatever three sets of 10 great go for it yeah like if you if you're doing like clamp shows or patients in pain and you're doing three sets of 10 like and they're struggling like you're you're doing something wrong you know yeah 
I agree. Three sets of ten at times is okay, but it's like every single time, like no, not really. So yeah, I agree, man. I agree. Um, yeah, so thank you everyone for listening. We really appreciate you coming on to Physio Minds, listening to our podcast. You can check it out at Apple, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the podcasts you can think of. It's on Spotify, on Anchor. Thank you very much for coming and tune in next time to Physio Minds. Thank you.